Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. On this episode of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, we have Sam Walker. Sam is the owner of Speaking of Semantics. After finding herself unable to work during part of the pandemic, she turned to her creative side and started a business with just a few sticker designs, which has now blossomed into more than just stickers and over 400 designs. Sam is a huge advocate for graduate students and feels as if it is her calling to change the narrative for grad school. Hopefully together, we can make it a much more accepting and supportive environment. She's created three businesses geared towards helping graduate students survive and thrive in grad school. The SLP Test Prep is a game-based studying program to help students prepare for the Praxis exam. The SLP Grad Club is a community for SLP graduate students that offers resources like monthly webinars, therapy resources, mentorship opportunities, etc. And the SLP Grad Guide is a library of webinars that helps graduate students in all aspects of their academic careers, from choosing programs to applying to their clinical fellowship. And I just love and adore Sam. She does a lot of great work for us behind the scenes of the MedSLP Collective as well. Um, and I'm so grateful to have her on to share her story and everything that she's been through. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders and founder of the MetaSLP Collective and MetaSLP Education. This podcast is dedicated to delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere, while also recognizing that medical SLPs everywhere are doing the best with what they've got. Whether you are a new clinician seeking tangible tools for therapy or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is simple, to help you advance your practice without feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated. This means that together we'll build confidence, broaden your knowledge, and reignite your passion for our field. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride and be open to new ideas because at the end of the day, you and your patients deserve that kind of support. With that, let's dive in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Hello, Sam. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. I just want to give you like a big virtual hug through the screen here. It's I just I'm so happy to have you on. I'm so happy for all the people to hear all the wonderful things you have to say. So thank you so much for joining me. Of 
course. I'm very excited. Yeah. So tell the people a little bit about yourself if they don't know who you are. Sure. So I'm Sam. I'm a New York City-based speech and language pathologist. I graduated back in 2019. So every time I say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. It's like years and years now. It's almost like four years now. I went to a medically-based speech and language pathology graduate school called New York Medical College up in Valhalla, New York. Um, I went there because of two reasons. One, it was the only school I got into. And two, because I swore up and down that I was going to be a medical SLP. Um, and now I am the owner of three businesses that are helpful for yeah. graduating. Yes. My first baby was, uh, or still is, speaking of semantics, and that's just stickers and apparel and um, a whole bunch of fun stuff for speech language pathologists, speech language pathology assistants and graduate students to wear and show off. Um, and that has kind of branched out to two other businesses, which are the SLP grad club, which is a community for SLP grad students, because I felt like there was a huge gap between like cohorts or cohorts in general, like the competition. I'm sure we'll touch on that later. later. Uh, but I felt like there needed to be some sort of other community that graduate students can enter to talk to other grad students that maybe weren't in their cohort. So that's the SLP Grad Club. We do monthly webinars about topics that aren't really taught in graduate school, like how to combat imposter syndrome, um, how to actually lesson plan and all that fun stuff. And then my other child is the SLP test prep, and that is a game-based subscription model program um, to help graduate students prepare for tests like the Praxis and the comprehensive exams. Um, so I'm currently doing all three of those full time, but um, when I do like pick up speed pathology kind of jobs here and there, they're usually maternity leave coverages. And for some reason, they're always in a high school. Um, so I found my love uh, that is really what the high school students, most of the time I'll walk into the high school and they'll be like, hey, hi, what class do you have? And I'm like, no, like I work here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that, Sam. I love all the things that you're doing. I love, you know, I love solutions to problems. I love people that go after solutions to problems. So thank you. I'm Like I said, I'm so happy to have you on and, and to talk more about this. But the reason that you are on this episode today is you would like to explain. Um, so I want to talk a lot about graduate school. I feel that a lot of conversations need to start being, you know, spoken about as far as how graduate school kind of needs to change, but also talking to students on how everyone goes to this and you're not really alone in any of the feelings that you have, whether it's, I want to absolutely drop out and I realize that I hate speech pathology or like you're super overwhelmed. Someone at some point who's been in graduate school has felt like that. Um, and I feel like the more we talk about it publicly, the more graduate students will actually feel like, okay, not that this should be normal, but it is kind of normal and other people have experienced this. So it is okay to reach out and ask for help. And I think that is the beauty of COVID. That's one of the beauty of COVID is that so many speech language pathologists decided to start an Instagram. So there are so many more people, so many more resources out there for graduate students to kind of reach for when they are struggling. Awesome. So I get a lot of DMs a lot, most of the times from graduate students, kind of in a frantic situation. They're like, I just got into grad school. It's been four weeks and I absolutely hate it. And I think that I don't like speech pathology anymore and I think I should quit. So what should I do? And my first thing is like, okay, first of all, your feelings are very valid because I know that I've definitely felt that. And my initial reaction is never to be like, don't feel like that. You shouldn't feel like that because we've all been there at some point. Yes. But I grad- say, I, oh, sorry to cut you off, Sam. I always say I wouldn't wish graduate school on anybody. Yeah. And that's, 
you know, I, graduate school, I feel, doesn't need to be the way that it actually is. I don't want to fully blame the institution of graduate school because I think that there are schools out there that are changing in positive ways. Um, but they, at the end of the day, graduate schools are businesses. Their goal is to make money, make these really great tooth pathologists that will go into the world and do great things. And at the end of the day, have their school name on their resume. But there's just so much that goes on in grad school that's traumatizing. And, you know, it, it, it beats you down and it's just never ending need to be perfect. And it's, actually really interesting that I'm starting to talk about this now because I'm making a post later on my Instagram about how we need to start talking more about how it is okay and is actually really normal to be an imperfect speech language pathologist. Yes. We are all imperfect in some sort of way. And if we claim ourselves as perfect, or if we try to reach that kind of perfectionist standard that we're all trying to get to, that's when we stop learning because at that point of perfection, you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done. But in a field that's constantly growing and there's more evidence-based practice and there's new treatment procedures all the time, we never want to get to that perfectionist kind of standard because then what? There's other things that are coming out that you're going to have to learn. But if you consider yourself perfect, you're never going to open yourself up to new techniques, new therapy material. And then you're kind of like having your your clients just be at a standstill. You're not offering as much as possible. But let me let me ask Sam. I mean, I, I know we're not going to solve all the world's problems in, in, an, in an hour here, but, you know, I think what I always found so fascinating was this this myth or this like mystere that you have to be this type A perfect SLP. And I've never been a type A anything. I've always been laid back, go with the flow. I'll figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to get it done, but I will. That's just always how I've been. So my imposter syndrome in grad school was like, dude, no, I'm not one of those type A people. Like I did not do all the cutesy crafts that people did. Like I have all the respect in the world for those people. That was not me. And I think that was when I was like, oh my gosh, am I not a good SLP? Because I can't like create the most perfect cutouts for my client. Like and luckily I had like an amazing support system that was like, that's, that's not what it's about. Like the activities obviously are are great and fun. And if you could do those for the kids and if you're passionate about it, that's fine. But that was not like my wheelhouse. And it, it's, it's, I think just such a, a weird, interesting dynamic. And I know sometimes I've, I've been misunderstood and, and I didn't do a good job of like explaining it myself when, you know, I've said things like, I'm just not a good kindergarten teacher. You know, like I'm not good at creating all the crafts and the activities. And I, and I don't ever mean that to shame SLPs or kindergarten teachers, but I am not this perfect type A SLP and I never ever stink and claim to be. So I just don't know where, where our profession got that. I don't know vibe. Just like, I don't know where it came out that you had to be this perfect type A person. So I think it actually stems a lot from the grad school application process. It starts. Yeah kind of starts during grad undergrad when you're applying to graduate schools. And um, I actually made a post yesterday about this. And I asked how many people got told that they weren't good enough to be a speech language pathologist. And I got over 200 comments on that post of people saying that in undergrad, because they didn't have a 3.9 or a 4.0, or they didn't have the most perfect volunteer experience, they got shot down to the ground and said, you are not going to make it in this field. You were not good enough and you should find something different. And that's kind of where that imposter syndrome starts, because if you don't have that beautiful GPA, that perfect, um, you know, academic record that, that, you know, this amazing experience somewhere, you're shot down to the ground saying you're not good enough. You're not going to make it here. But 
it's just crazy to me because our profession isn't like that. We are oftentimes treating people who have disabilities, who have differences. So we should be a profession that accepts speech language pathologists who have differences, who have disabilities, because they're the ones who can relate mostly to their clients. They're the ones that can provide things for their clients that me who doesn't have a disability won't be able to give. And that is how we should start growing. And you know, that grad school application process is brutal. It is brutal mentally, physically, financially, emotionally, everything, because you try as hard as as you can to be this, like you said, type A, most perfect, have all of these perfect experiences and academic records. And when you don't, or when you get denied from a school, your ego is hurt. You know, you're, you then start thinking, am I not good enough for this? You know, maybe I should think about something else. And then when you have academic advisors who are telling you that, it's even more so that you're convincing yourself, I'm not good enough. And it's a never ending cycle, so much so that we bring that kind of like perfectionist standards into our head. We make them a priority so that when we get into graduate school, we're like, okay, if we don't have straight A's in grad school, then I'm not doing well. But if you ask anyone, any licensed speech language pathologist, I guarantee you they did not have straight A's in grad school ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. I I think, you know, one thing that really strikes me is I'm, I'm actually working on my PhD now and I just finished doing a big project and it was actually with a group of nursing students about empathy. And it was, it was this whole like semester long project that they learned about during their grad program about empathy. And I think what was so important was that in, in, in this study, they were talking more about how there needs to be more of a focus on this in grad school, as opposed to obviously the technical information is, is very important. I'm, I'm not downplaying that at all, but there needs to be this, this role for empathy and counseling and why you got into this in the first place. And you got into this field to be a helping profession. You got into this field to help people and you may not get the most perfect scores. You may not, you know, ace organic chemistry if, if, you know, you'd have to take something like that, but you do have to have these empathetic counseling skills to be able to help the patients that are really sick or have disabilities or are there to see you for a reason. And I think I, I was so passionate about that project because that's why I'm so passionate about speech pathology. I'm so passionate about getting the patients the help that they need. And in doing that, we have to get the SLPs the support that they need to do that. And going back even further, we have to get SLPs into grad programs that are empathetic, that want to learn this information to help our patients. So obviously it's a, it's a systemic problem, but it's just, it's, it's a hill that I'm going to die on because I obviously I know grad school is important, but I think there's so many other things that go into it than just being a type A straight A student person. Exactly. And being a speech language pathologist, you have to be a people person. You yeah, are yeah, yeah. People all day, every day. And it's like, how do you show that? How do you show that you're a people person by having a 4.0 GPA? Or how do you show that you're a people person by having a great GRE score? And it's like, you don't, you know, you can accept these grad schools can accept people who have beautiful transcripts and then they could be the most awkward, you know, talking person or they're just not good in front of people. And that's not what we need. Like you said, we need people who are passionate about this. If some graduates, 
student or some undergrad student has a passion to help people. They want to help people communicate. They want to help people be able to swallow better so that they can eat their favorite meal. They have that passion when you kind of kick them down to the ground because they don't have a 4.0, that it's just so sad. It's like you're, you're stripping the opportunity of this beautiful person who is wanting and willing to help people just because they don't have a perfect, you know, score. When, you know, it's, it's like an, it's like a, a snowball effect. When you think about it, maybe they had a disability that they didn't get accommodations for, right? Or maybe they had a family issue. You know, life happens. Not everyone is going to go through college having a 4.0. And I think that that standard, of course, we want people who are, you know, want, want to do well in school and have the ability to, you know, get good grades. But this kind of perfectionist, I need to be perfect at everything is just a standard that is, isn't helping. I mean, we're already a profession that is drowning with our caseloads, drowning with our productivity standards. So it's like, why don't we just start accepting more people who want to do this so that we can help the SLPs already in the profession who have these caseloads of 80 more kids or, you know, productivity rates that there's, it's impossible to reach. It's like, I feel like the answer is like right here, but graduate school again is a business. So they only want to accept people with these crazy scores because it goes into the statistics. It goes on something that they can put on their website. And it's just never ending. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I always think of is, as I'm such a, like I'm the eternal optimist, right? I'm always, I'm full of positivity. I'm full of positive affirmations. If, you know, you come to me with a cruddy day, I'm going to validate how you're feeling, but how are we going to change that? What can you do to empower yourself to change it? That's just really, I don't know. I'm strange. I'm weird. It's just how my brain is wired. But I think it crushes me when I hear people like I very much understand tough love, but I understand it being packaged with positivity and that you can do this and, and we're here to support you. And I think that's some of the the rhetoric that I don't like about grad school and even and I face it in PhD school is, you know, this is tough. You're going to struggle. You know, I don't know if you're cut out for this. And it's like, what does what good does that do for anybody? Like, it, I don't know if it's supposed to like be this masculine thing to light a match under your butt. I don't know what that, where that comes from, but like, to me, it does nothing, but just tell me that, Oh, Oh my gosh, really? Like I thought this was hard, but you're telling me that I really should struggle even more. You know, I just, I don't think, I don't think we need to go there. You know, I think there's a way to, to say it. Like, you know, you can do this. Like it's going to, you're going to have some tough days, but we're here to support you. I'm here to support you, you know, reach out to these people. I'm just all about strategies to improve. And that's, and that's why I love what you're doing. I love your SLP grad club. And I, you know, I love your praxis prep because it's, there are tools out there to support you and we all need help. You know, I mean, it's the reason I created the SLP med SLP collective is we all need help and support. And I just think, that rhetoric, that narrative of saying, it's going to be hard, you're going to struggle, you know, too bad, you know, figure it out, kick it into gear. That just doesn't serve anybody. And I really hate that. And that's, that's my next soapbox. So. No, I totally agree. And it, it often comes from the faculty who's been there for the past 20 years or been there from the past 15 years. And, you know, this is, you know, the 15th grad class that they're watching and they're tired, they're exhausted. They just want to get through it. You know, at, at some point it just becomes, this is just another class that's going through grad school. And faculty faculty members forget that every single person in that grad school cohort is a person. They all have problems. They all have struggles. They all have difficulties, just like our clients and just like they did when they were in grad school. 
But because it just becomes numbers, you know, another 40 girls or another, I say girls because we're, we're a profession filled with women, but another 40, uh, people, another 40 members of graduate school are just going to go through, they're going to do whatever and that's it. And it's a cycle of, I don't, I don't know if I want to pinpoint it as power, but it, it often becomes like a power struggle. You know, I'm your professor and I think this is wrong. So it is wrong, you know, but. In the world of speech pathology, there's so many different ways to do things that is it necessarily wrong or is it just not your way of doing things? Yeah. And there's also a lot of gray areas, too, that we just truly don't have the answers for either. So exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I got this comment. I often make funny things about graduate school that some people or some professors find like offensive um, because I'm talking about things that have never really been spoken about before or have never really been brought to the light. Because like you were saying before. Because everyone else went through it like this, you're going to have to go through it like this, no matter if it's hard or not. Everyone else did it, so you have to do it like this. And the comments said, the post was something about how some graduate schools make this whole beautiful website about all the support they have. But then when graduate students actually need support, it's kind of just like, well, you got this wrong, so figure out a different way to do it. So that was what the post is about. And this is what the comment said. What could be more frightening than low cognitive effort entitled students who do not wish to learn, who blame their professors or their supervisors for their poor performance, and who care more about ease than expertise? And that person who commented that identified themselves as an SLP PhD, which is great. They're probably super educated. But that narrative, if that's what you're thinking about your client, uh, your graduate students, you are never going to help them succeed if you're kicking them to the ground so immediately without having to, like thinking of any of their personal life issues and all that. So I responded back like four paragraphs because I was fired up when she, when she commented that. But my response basically kind of said, would you ever say that to your client? Because probably not. You would give them the support they needed. You know, you would advocate for them. You would sit them down and ask them, what do you need help with? What can I do to help you succeed? Because that's what we do as speech language pathologists. So why are you doing that to graduate students who are eventually going to be your colleagues? How dare you say that about them in, you know, such mean words? Yeah. yeah. There just needs to be more advocacy for graduate students. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's so tough. And, and I say that because, you know, I've had a lot of people that have said to me, you know, Teresa, why are you bashing the grad programs? And, and, and it's, that's very, that's a loaded question because I don't ever want to just blanket bash the grad programs, right? Grad school is hard for everybody. I understand that the professors, the program directors, there is so much content that they have to teach. So I understand that I'm not by any means saying that they, you know, are under preparing us intentionally or, or things like that, because we all know that our field is just growing so wildly, so vastly that it's tough to cover everything that needs to be covered. But on the flip side, there's got to be, we've got to somehow meet in the middle. You know, there's, we've, we've got to improve the education in the grad programs. And, and I don't know that, I don't know what to do about, like you said, this, this support piece that we just don't feel like we have, you know, and I know grad school is, quote unquote, meant to be hard, but does it have to be brutally and mentally defeating? You know, I mean, especially coming out of COVID, we're now seeing all these studies, all these papers about doctoral or like, um, like, what am I trying to say? Like med students and, you know, residents that are just like crumbling and, you know, just having horrible, horrible mental health. And it's just like, at what point does our field sort of wake up and realize that, you know, we're pretty close to having the same issue and we're already so 
understaffed as SLPs. There's already, you know, there's not enough SLPs to go around to begin with. You know, we need to really be supporting our colleagues that are coming up. They may be a student today, but tomorrow they're our colleague and we need to treat them as such. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I am not bashing graduate schools at all. No individual grad school is better than another grad school, but they're and my graduate school provided me with so much information and I'm so grateful that I went there. Um, I will never say anything bad about them really because they gave me a really good opportunity, but it's come to the time where we have to start listening to our graduate students and stop treating them like, okay, you should be grateful you're here. So just do anything that I tell you and then graduate. We have to start listening to them. Graduate students are starting to come out of graduate school and feel lost with billing or feel lost with scheduling or feel lost when they want to open up their private practice. So why don't we start adding electives into, you know, our grad program? Of course, the grad students are so busy already, but if we start adding these electives where graduate students can learn real life skills that they can take out into the world, then maybe we will become a lot less burnt out or a lot less scared to do things, you know? Right now, graduate school kind of says, like, you're going to graduate, you're going to find a job, you're going to hopefully work there for the rest of your life, and that's it. But so many more people are becoming entrepreneur SLPs. They're creating their own businesses. They're creating or they're doing after school work. There are, you know, so many different things. So why don't we add to that and provide resources for that in graduate school? That is our place to learn. That is our opportunity to figure out what do I like? What do I not like? In graduate school, I had the opportunity to be a medical SLP, to be a school SLP, and to kind of be like just a random like clinic-based SLP. And it made me realize, okay, what do I like and what do I not like? And that is what grad school should be about. We shouldn't be trying to reach these perfectionism. Everyone's going to be perfect. You're going to be tortured for the next two years because that's just how it is. We should be listening to our graduate students. Honestly, there should be a class on mental health because so many people come out of graduate school and they are so, they're burnt out already. They haven't even gotten their C's. They haven't even started started their CF and they're burnt out already. And that's why I always tell people, if you have the time, if you have, you know, some sort of financial stability to be able to take two weeks, a month, some time off in between graduation, do it because you have to find yourself after grad school because it's exhausting mentally, emotionally, all of that. You have to find who you are. You have to become grounded before you start in the work field because you're going to bring all those grad school kind of like type A, trying to be the best habits into your work field. And it's just never going to end. You're going to be burnt out before you even start. Yeah. I think one of the big things for me is, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about leadership and, you know, really becoming your own best advocate. And I think that's something we don't do a great job. I know some grad programs are, you know, now starting to talk a lot more about advocacy and putting advocacy programs in. But I always find it fascinating when I talk to younger SLPs and they'll say like, gosh, I had no idea I was going to have to be able to do this in service or go up against this administrator or pitch this product. Or, you know, it's, these are these skills that, that we're really not talking about, but we need to, because they're really what give us a lot of job satisfaction and career fulfillment. You know, not saying you have to walk into the perfect job tomorrow that has all the best equipment, gives you access to everything, but you do need to be equipped with the tools to advocate for what you need so you can start building the program the way that you want it. I think that's, you know, we we obviously, there's a lot going on here. We have some facilities that are wonderful. We have some facilities that just don't know what they need. And we have some facilities that usually just flat out say no to what we need. And, you know, where are you in that continuum? You know, if you're someone that doesn't have these skills, 
to advocate for what you need. The facility doesn't have any tools. These patients are, for lack of a better term, up a crick without a paddle. You know, it, it's we're not doing anybody any good there. So it's, you know, I always I always encourage SLPs, you know, when you're going to start looking for jobs, you know, if it's obviously you want to find a facility that gives you autonomy to build programs and to get the equipment that you need. But sometimes these places just don't know what you need. But if you at least can get a connection with somebody that is willing to listen to you, you need to build the skills to present what you need as well. And I think that's something that we need to do, you know, a lot better of a job at is is teaching these advocacy and leadership skills because it's a huge part of our job. Yeah, exactly. And it also starts with advocating for yourself too. You know, graduate school kind of just spits you out and says, go find a clinical fellowship. But how do I negotiate? What salary do I ask for? What's insurance? Like, what are productivity rates? How do I tell them no? Like, how do I tell them that I cannot reach that? You know, we, we, all these clinical fellows are kind of like running around like, like a chicken without a head trying to figure out how to actually get a job and what to ask for and what all these things mean. 1099, you know, W2, all like there's just so much lingo that is lost. And at the end of the day, the graduate schools are mostly just like, well, you graduated. Good luck. So it's hard. There's just so many gaps that need to be filled that that is why I'm so kind of happy that Instagram has become so large in the speech language pathology community because so many people are trying to fill the gaps. You know, you're trying to fill the gaps with medical SLP stuff that is not really always taught in schools. I mean, if you're not in a medically based speech language pathology program, are you necessarily getting more than one dysphagia class? Who knows? So there's so many gaps that need to be filled. And it's like, where do you go if you don't want to learn it in the field? If you don't want to learn it when you're standing in front of a patient, they ask you a question, you have no idea what the answer is, right? You want to learn it behind the scenes. But if you're not in graduate school, where do you go for those kind of things? And that is why I'm so happy that so many SLPs are just kind of filling those gaps, even with AAC, even with how to apply for clinical fellowships. You know, there's so many more things out there, and I'm so grateful for that. And I did want to mention this before, uh, based off of what you said, but the graduate students that are in grad school kind of now, maybe like the past year or so, are speaking up so much more and it makes me so happy. They're holding their professors accountable for what's going on. You know, if a whole class is failing one midterm, there's something wrong. The students are not learning something. Something needs to change. I've had a couple of um messages saying like, me and my grad school cohort got together. We created this email to send our chair about this professor who's not really teaching us. And things are changing, which I'm so happy about. And I'm so happy we're kind of moving into that area of speech pathology because things need to change. It's not necessarily that grad schools are all bad, but just like everything else, society is changing. Things are changing. Treatment things are changing. So graduate school also needs to change with that because These are the SLPs that you're making who are going to be SLPs in the next few years. So they need to know these new things. They need to know that mental health is okay to talk about now in real life. So when a graduate student is coming to you because they're struggling with their mental health, it's going to affect their academics. So you have to talk about the mental health. You have to find a solution for um, their mental health issues before they can even talk about academics. Yeah. Everybody knows I'm so passionate about this field for a lot of different reasons. And a lot of it is just near and dear to my heart and dealing with speech pathologists with my brother, also with my son. It's, it's very personal to me. So I take all of this stuff extremely personal about what I do. And I, and I think one of the things that just crushes me 
is when, you know, you'll see some polls on, on Instagram or on Facebook or something about, you know, what would you tell, you know, a high school student or what would you tell a college student about going into the field of speech pathology? And a lot of times they say, I wouldn't do it. And that just like, I, I swear I cry inside every time I read that because I think of kids like my son, I think of my brother, I think of all of the patients I've seen in the nursing homes over the years. We need SLPs. We need kind, compassionate, empathetic, but smart and, and wanting to learn SLPs. And, and I think I, I hate that narrative so much that, you know, when SLPs just say, well, I just wouldn't go into the field because clearly something needs to change, right? But it stinks because there's so many patients out there that really truly need us. And I, and I know there's, there's a lot that we're, we're talking about here, but I just at least want to get this dialogue started. And I know you've done a fantastic job of having this dialogue going on Instagram, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, we're not going to solve all these problems in a day, but I just, I want to figure out how to grow this field and get it on the right path because there's so many patients that need us. And there's so many SLPs that really truly do love what we do, but it's taken them a lot of soul searching, a lot of education on their own time and and money to figure it out. And, you know, is that right? I don't know, but. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the biggest step that we can all take in kind of helping speech pathology as a profession grow is talking about how we're feeling, talking about things that we're going through because Instagram is a highlight reel. And a lot of the times people on there just kind of post all the good things, um, all of the beautiful treatment sessions, all of the success stories that they have, but they're not posting their failures and it's okay to fail. Everyone is going to fail at some point. It's okay to make mistakes. Again, we're all human and us making mistakes is how we learn the most. So if we start talking about about all of this, about making mistakes and learning from mistakes, then our graduate students will be able to realize that we're not all perfect. We all make mistakes. We're not striving to perfection. We're striving to be the best speech pathologist that we can be. And that may change over time. You know, people become parents. People have things that happen in their lives. They are working full time, but then they're working part time. You know, things change. There's so many different stories that can happen as a speech language pathologist. But once we begin talking about it and hopefully showing that it's okay to not be perfect, it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to feel like you hate speech pathology in graduate school. It, all of these feelings are okay. Once speech pathologists, but also graduate students realize that they're not alone. That gives them so much more power to say like, okay, what can I do to change this for myself? Or what can I do to change this for future grad students? And I think the more we have this conversation openly and publicly, the more that graduate schools will either become uncomfortable or the more that graduate students will, you know, come together and speak up about what's actually happening in their graduate school. Because for the past couple of years, I know when I was in grad school, it was kind of just like, I know you're feeling stressed. I know you may not like this teacher or this teacher's not teaching, but hush, hush, be quiet. It's always, it's going to be over soon and that's it. You'll just get through it and that's it. But no, like things have to change. I think, you know, one of our, I was thinking about this this morning. One of our core values for the MedSLP Collective is support. Yeah. But the reason I wanted to say that is because I think there, there finally is so much support out there for both grad students and SLPs that it needs to be encouraged that it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be part of other communities. It's, it's really truly okay. And I think, you know, I love these, you know, grad school professors that will reach out and say, 
you know, hey, Sam, will you come talk to my class about this? Or, hey, Judy, will you come present to my class about this? And and there's other professors that will say, you know, no, like we shouldn't be doing that. Like you should be teaching the textbook material. And it's just, I think that drives me bananas because there's so much we can learn from each other. And we're not going to fix grad school in, in a day, but I think we can support each other a lot better. I think I think the grad school professors can support each other a lot better. I think they can bring clinicians in to talk about real world experiences. And I think grad students should just know it's okay to reach out for support. It's okay to reach out to other students. It's okay to reach out to SLPs in the field. I think I actually had a, had a grad student reach out to me a few weeks ago. She just emailed me and was like, I live in your town. Can I meet you for coffee? And I was like, sure. Like I just, I did it because I was like, that's like, she's got some, like some guts. Like I'm like, I was super glad that she did that, but like, we had a great conversation, like stuff. She was telling me about her program. I was like, huh? Like I, you know, I'm not, you know, I wasn't bashing it. I was just like, Oh, I'm not sure why, you know, it's, it's like that, but you know, just obviously do what the professor says, but just know, like sort of once you get out there, it might be a little bit of a different perspective. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you know, you thank you. Like you really opened my eyes to a lot of things I didn't think about. And you know, she's like, you really reinvigorated me for this profession because I know it's what I want to do. It's just I'm stuck in the grad school weeds right now. And I think, you know, if more SLPs can sort of reach in and help pull our grad school friends up and, you know, tell them it's going to be okay. Because, yeah, like I said, I don't wish grad school upon anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible to say. I mean, I've been out, what, 15 years now. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> and the crazy part is, too, that most of the time, the people who are saying these things are doing these things as part of grad school faculty. And again, this is not about bashing grad school, you know, there's, there's good faculty and there's bad faculty, same thing, like every other profession in the world. But most of the time you're talking to someone who, who's been through grad school at some point, all of these professors, if they're a speech language pathologist, they've been through grad school. So they know what it's like and they just somehow always forget. But I think the bottom line is as a society, we are off, we're asking for help a lot more with our, mental health with our profession and all of that. And I think that graduate school as a industry needs to start adding that in more. I mean, grad schools are doing it. That There's students that have messaged me saying, you know, all students are mandated to have like a me- mental health counseling once a month, at least, you know, and although that like sometimes as graduate students, it feels like oh, another thing that I have to go to, but at least we're moving into a yeah. era yeah. where they are providing that help. I've had graduate students tell me that their schools have, you know, um, webinars on billing or webinars on scheduling or webinars on how to do, um, how to apply for your clinical fellowship. And that is so amazing to hear because that means they are listening to their students. They're listening to the struggles that their students are having and they are actually changing something. And if we just keep continuing to do that and keep an open-minded kind of mentality about graduate school and, you know, throw out the idea that, just because everyone else had trouble in graduate school or just because everyone else struggled doesn't mean that everyone else, everyone, no one can have a good graduate school experience. If we get rid of that, then we're going to good places. Yeah. I just think the narrative has to change. Like it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard work. It's you're going to work hard, but it's good work. It's, it's for a purpose. It's to help people. You know, I, I just, like I said, I really have a problem with the you know, you're going to struggle just like everybody else. You're never going to make it out. You know, that just doesn't serve anybody. And and I just, we've got to somehow change the narrative, but then also provide the support to be able to support the change in that narrative too. So, yeah, exactly. And another way to change this too, is for more people to become professors or more people to want to teach graduate students, because then you get into the 
kind of place where the same professors have been teaching the same class for the past 15 years. And are they changing their PowerPoint from the first year they did it? Um, or are we teaching the same thing over and over, just hoping that graduate school students will use it or, you know, have somewhere else to learn something different. So, yeah. But yeah, this is a good conversation. Yeah, it's it, it's tough because I, I do have so many friends now that are grad school professors. And so, the, you know, the last thing I want is for this to come off as we're bashing grad school. But there's just there's a lot going on here and and there's we've got to meet in the middle somehow. And, and no, what do you I'm, think? I'm so happy that it's actually changing. Like the I'm so happy that there is some sort of change. And I think that we just need to continue talking about what's going on, how we're feeling, keep talking about our imperfections, but also listening to our graduate students and also being really appreciative of those professors that actually are helping and be appreciative of the professors that are actually going above and beyond for their students and supporting them in the ways that they need. And that, you know, those professors are the ones that myself and grad other graduate students keep in their head, keep in their heart for the rest of their lives. Those are the professors or supervisors that actually thought of you or actually spoke to you as a person and a, a their soon to be future colleague, those are the professors that we appreciate. And, and you know, it, it makes grad school so much of a different experience when you have the opportunity to have a professor or a supervisor like that. So if you are someone out there who is like that, we appreciate you. If you're someone who's not like that, we're just asking if you just keep an open mind, start listening to your graduate students, you know, of course, being a professor is super hard and I am not bashing anyone who's been a professor because I know firsthand it is hard to teach with a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes it becomes tiresome and we get into the habit of just, it's another student, it's another student, it's another student, but no, it's another person with a brain, with a heart, with a passion for this. And let's not try to burn their passion in grad school. Let's try to, you know, feed their fire, feed their passion and help them provide their support just like we give to our clients. Yeah. I think I love what you just said there, Sam. And I think, you know, what's interesting in, in PhD school, I had, gosh, in last month, I've had two really big sort of life altering events happen. Obviously we had the hurricane, we got evacuated. I was, you know, staying at a different house with my kids. It was just absolute chaos. So dealing with the hurricane evacuation, then I also had a death in my family, which was just awful. And so I, you know, was out of town for a week with all that, but you know, I emailed my professors and and I just said, you know, I, I just want you to know this is what's going on in my life right now. It's totally chaotic. And I don't know that I'm asking for anything other than I want you to, to know what's going on in my life. And I, and I wrote just like this really frantic email that looking back on it now, I was like, wow, I definitely could have made it professional, but I, my life was completely upside down for a little while. And what was interesting was I didn't get a response from one professor. Another professor wrote back and said, something like, you know, thanks for keeping me in the loop or just, you know, something very like generic. And then the third professor said, you know, something like, Teresa, I am so very sorry to hear that. That sounds like a lot you're dealing with. Please take all deadlines off the table. You have an extension on anything you need for right now. I want you to succeed in this program. I'm here to support you in this program. Please let me know what I can do to support you and take your time because it's more important for me for you to know this material than for you to just turn something in this weekend when your life's completely upside down. And I was like sobbing reading this email because it was sort of like exactly what I needed to hear. And, you know, I just wrote back to her. I was like, I can't thank you enough for that. Like, that means so much to me that you just treated me like a person. Like, and I wasn't expecting that. I don't know what, like I said, I didn't know what I was expecting, but what was interesting was I busted my butt and I hustled 
to get the, that stuff into her because it was like, I sort of wanted to show her like, I didn't need that extension that you gave me, but I appreciate it so much. Like, I think, I think I took like a two day extension on one small project, but everything, everything else, like I really, it gave me the encouragement that I needed that like, life is pretty crappy right now, but like, this is what I need to focus on and I'm going to do this right. And it was really just, uh, it, just the power of te- of being a good teacher, of being a really supportive teacher is what that showed me. Yeah. And all of those things that happen are things that were completely out of your control. Yeah. And life happens. And the thing about that is that you will take what you felt when you got that experience. And when you become a teacher or when you're dealing with a graduate student or when you're in that situation where someone is coming to you with that, you will remember that feeling and pay it forward. And that's all we kind of need is just for everyone to realize that we're all humans who have families, who have bills to pay, and we're all just trying to get through life together. And it just goes back to that empathy piece. If you realize that someone else is a person and you like, you weren't asking for, you know, weeks and weeks of an extension. You were just saying, Hey, this is what's going on in case it affects my academic life. In case I'm unable to come to class or something, I'm just letting you know that this is happening. And it just changed probably your mentality. Like it gave you probably a fresh breath of air. Like, okay, I got this. You know, my professor is realizing that I'm not using this as an excuse. I'm not using it as a crutch. I'm just letting them know what's happening. And I got this. I'm going to do it. And that's probably felt so nice, so good for you. Yeah. So, all right. Do we solve all the world's problems today, yeah. Sam? Okay. <laughs> awesome. <a> conversation. It's <laughs> great. I know we could talk forever about this. All right. So I guess let's, I guess let's give some cheese with our wine. What would you, what would you, how, what would you say to grad students? I, I know, you know, you have a community of them, but how would you encourage them? You know, let's, I, I love positive positive words. And, you know, I always want people to feel supported. So yeah. What would you say? Um, so my first thing is to say that grad school is nothing like real life. <laughs> All you have to do is kind of get out, but more in depth is kind of ask for help. At the end of the day, your professors are paid to teach you. If you are not understanding the material, don't blame yourself. Of course, it's a lot easier said than done, but it just like our clients, not everyone learns the same way. We change activities for our clients. Professors can do the same for you. They can give you extra resources. If you are a visual learner or an auditory learner, maybe they can give you a video or some sort of other thing to ask for help. If you don't ask for help, the answer will always be no. You will always just be at that same position that you always will ask for help. But also in addition to that, ask, like, kind of think about who you're asking for help from because not everyone out there is willing to give as much help as other people. Um, so find your people who are willing to help you find those supervisors, those professors who are willing to sit down with you and ask, um, and willing to sit down with you and provide you with resources and all that. And then other than that, you are worthy of being here. You deserve to be here despite what your imposter sy- syndrome is telling you. We are not all type A SLPs in the real world. My desk is an absolute mess. I've failed tests in graduate school. I've gotten a C in graduate school and I'm still a fully licensed SLP. You do not need to be perfect. If you want to get good grades, set that standard for yourself, but don't kill yourself trying to reach that standard. It is okay to realize that some balls are plastic, some balls are glass. You have to realize which ones are okay to fall 
Oh. Good one, Sam. Ooh. I got, I got all of them. All Ooh, of them. dang. Okay. Another one is that in graduate school, oftentimes we think that we are either sinking or floating. But the thing with graduate school is that you just have to keep swimming. It's not always sinking because you just have to realize you're not good at everything. So some things just won't go as well as other things. You just have to keep pushing forward. That is the thing about grad school. You cannot let one single test completely ruin you for a full week. Give yourself an hour. Give yourself two hours to be really sad about it. And then kind of just push forward and say, you know what? I didn't do well. Oh, well, we all make mistakes. Let me push forward. How do I do better on the next thing? Graduate school is where you learn from your mistakes. With that being said, you have to make mistakes and you have to let yourself be okay with making mistakes. I will never forget. I had some sort of like uh, event with the physical therapy students in my school and we had to go into this room with an actor and they were pretending to be a patient and he was NPO. And I went in there and I talked about Indian food the entire time. I have no idea why. And my supervisor looked at me and said, you talked about food the entire time with the patient who's NPO. And I will never <laughs> forget that. I, like, yeah. I yes. cried to my mom. I was like, oh, Sam. I grad school. but at the end of the day, I can laugh about it now. I know I made that mistake and I will never go into a patient who is NPO and talk about food. So you yeah. have to learn from those mistakes. And and you were going to be a great SLP. We are all going to get there and you are going to bring something different to the table. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think if I can just, I mean, gosh, like I said, it's been 15 years since I've been removed from graduate school, but I am in PhD school now, but I think it just has to come down to the patients. I think there's, it's, it's really hard. Like I remember I felt so disassociated from patients when I was in grad school. I was like, what am I even doing this for? You know? And I, and I did, I had one I had one clinical supervisor that was just so wonderful that just reminded me like, Teresa, you are here for patients. And she's like, I know you have this deep passion for helping patients. I know you're struggling with this class right now, but just, you know, what can we do to just keep you, like you said, keep you swimming, keep swimming. You're going to get through it. Just know this is about helping patients in the long run. And, and I think that should, that needs to be the forefront of everything that we do because it is so hard to just get in our own little heads about, you know, am I going to fail this neuroanatomy test or, you know, it's, it's, but you're doing this, you're learning this so that you can be a good SLP so that you can help patients. So exactly. And you will be able to sign those CCC SLP after your name at some point. (laughs) Awesome. Sam, any, any final thoughts? That is it. I am always, my DMs are always open for anyone who is struggling, who has a question. If I don't have an answer, I'm sure I can find someone who has an answer. Um, I'm sure same goes for Teresa and all her great resources, but there is help out there. You just have to ask for it. You do. You do. You do. Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you so, so much. Of course. We'll Zoom hugs. We'll see you at ASHA, hopefully. Yes. Yes, I will. All right. And that's a wrap for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email list so that you'll never miss another episode. If you do like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.